It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Friday to you. Uh, exciting today, talking to Kristen Peak from Yahoo Sports. She covers the NBA, the NBA draft, college basketball, high school sports. We actually had her on uh, about a month ago, so really excited to talk to her. We're going to talk about the Pac-12. They're running the uh, NCAA tournament who helped themselves the most uh, when it comes to the draft. And then most importantly, I think locally, uh, what does she think of Namias Keita from Utah State, who declared for the draft a couple of weeks ago? So uh, really excited to talk to Kristen coming up here in just a moment. Really quick, make sure you download the KSL Sports app. If you don't have it yet, open the App Store. The best way to get this podcast, all of our podcasts, all of our articles, uh, right on your phone, super quick, super easy, every single day. Uh, You can go to kslsports.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at KSL Sports. And then find me, Ben Anderson, uh, on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can also follow me on Instagram there as well. My DMs are always open. You want to talk jazz, you have jazz questions or NBA questions, uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. So make sure and find me again on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Let's welcome in our next guest. You can find her on Twitter at uh, Kristen Peak. Read her at yahoosports.com as she's getting ready for the uh, the busy season right now. Kristen, what's this like for you? This is, I mean, now that the NCAA tournament is over, I mean, that's all the live games that NBA teams are going to be able to see in person. So now all the intel work starts. They call the college coaches. They call you know, people like me who have seen these players and been around their families since they were 16, 17 years old in high school. Um, so I kind of have my hand in that. And then also it's the start of the AAU season. So I'll be, I'll be looking at the next generation of players coming up. Um, so yeah, it's a fun time. And my, it never stops until about September is when you get like a, what, a week off. I get a month. I take, I take a month off. Oh, good for you. (laughs) That's better than most people. So that's really good. But then you're working uh, nonstop for the other 11 months of the year. So let's talk quickly about the local big story. Nemeas Keita from Utah State. He declares for the draft, uh, which makes sense. He had a really good junior year. He's the type of guy who I, I remember talking to a couple of scouts in the NBA who said, you know, he'll get drafted after his freshman year but he probably would have been a late second round pick mm-hmm. would have had to fight to stick around and may have not made it. Generally, I still think that's a better option than staying in college because the coaching's going to be better. But good for Kata, he had kind of a down sophomore year and then had a great junior year and he might be a first round pick. In fact, in your latest mock draft, which I'm going to link in my article for this uh, podcast, you actually do have him going uh, in the first round. 
Yeah, I have him going uh, 26 to the Houston Rockets. Um, just, you know, he'd be a fun rebuild player after the James Harden era. Um, and then I also have the Rockets in the second pick tanking Jalen Suggs. So in my mind, when I think of Jalen Suggs, a dynamic point guard, playing alongside him in the post, like your mind just starts to like, you just get excited about it. So I just, I, I speak, I, I put it out there in the universe and <laughs> maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Um, but there's a lot to like about him. Um, he was seven feet, 245 pounds. He's actually 35 pounds heavier than Evan Mobley, who's a top five pick. And he had two more block shots in him this year. He led the country in block shots. He had 97, Evan had 95, but you never hear his name in the conversation for being such a dynamic center in the country. It's always about Evan and what he can bring. But if you really start to pan down and watch some of his film, yes, he's playing in a weaker conference in the Mountain West, but none of that matters in the NBA. And I honestly think that his draft stock is going to rise even more once he gets to the combine and you know, uh, scouts can see him in person and just how big he is and how well he moves for his size yeah. for how big he is. He's got it's really, really good yeah, it's really good impressive. Hands. Like we talked about, he's got really good timing. That's why he's such a good shot blocker. Uh, and he's actually got a little bit of a hook shot, too. Like, he, he can do some back-to-the-basket stuff, which we don't really do in the NBA anymore. But here's what I like about Kata. Like, his worst-case scenario is he's a reserve shot blocker. And everybody in the NBA wants that guy. Like, that, yeah. that guy is on 30 teams in the league. And if he kind of pans out a little bit, then he's a guy who you can throw the ball to a couple of times a game. And he can be an anchor of a decent defense. Like, th there's a lot of comps for him. I don't think he's quite as skilled as Jakob Pertl was coming out of Utah, but like he's not not Nerland's Noel who only played whatever it was, like eight games coming out of Kentucky because he, he hurt his knee, whatever it was. But like th there's a wide range of players who he could become in the NBA and they all make it. Like a lot of people will say Nerland's hasn't panned out and he's still in the league like 10 years later and has made $20 million. Right. Yeah. And you always want, I mean, anytime you take, like you look at James Wiseman and his struggle, uh, in in Golden State playing for the Warriors and people are frustrated with that it's like he doesn't have the size I mean he has everything else his timing is off but it's his size and being able to bang in the post in the Western Conference against all the other like Anthony Davis when he was healthy you look at at uh Nimi and like his size and everything he's already got an advantage I think as like a rotational player right away in the NBA yep. And he's played with NBA players. When you when you think back on uh, Sam Merrill, he's played against a ton of NBA guys that actually were in the Mountain West Conference over the last few years. Like there have been enough guys that have come through that he's not going to be so wowed by the athleticism of the NBA that he doesn't find a way to stick. Which happens with you know Luca Garza, who's just he's going to struggle when he has to play against some of the quicker players in the league. And Luca Garza's arguably the greatest college player of the last decade, and the league does not suit him. No, and it's crazy to me, and it's crazy to casual fans um, when they see my mock draft or anybody else's mock draft that if if he is there, he's at the bottom half of the second round, and. You look at a guy who led the college basketball, all of college basketball in 18 categories this yeah. year, and that guy's not going to get drafted. But you're right. It's, it's, it's a huge difference between the college game and what he's catered to and then the NBA game, which is a faster pace. I mean, all you have to do, you just have to watch the North Carolina game when Iowa played and how their bigs, Daron Sharp, Armando, Armando Baycott, they just ran up and down right. Luca Garza. And you just, all scouts have to do is watch that one game and they're like, oh yeah, no, nah, no, no, we'll, we'll be good.
So we're pretty early in this draft process. Right now you have uh, uh, Sharif Cooper from Auburn going to the Jazz at 30. Jazz are going to have that last pick of the first round. I think they're going to lock up the best record in the NBA in the next couple of weeks here because their schedule is so easy. Uh, but you've actually got a lot of guys that are kind of interesting towards the end of the first round. How is this draft? I think the last time we talked, you said you kind of like this draft from 25 to 40. Oh, my gosh. my This is my favorite draft class. I've been doing this since Andrew Wiggins' draft. I think that was 2015. This is my favorite draft class uh, since I've been doing it. I think it's the deepest draft class in terms of talent and um, you know what these players could be five, six years down the road. Um, I don't think you can say that a lot about draft classes. Uh, surely you couldn't say it last year. And I had to cover it for an extra eight months. Sure. You know, <laughs> but there is a lot of young talent in this draft class that has very high potential and high ceilings if they can get to that, if they can reach that potential. And Sharif's one of them. Yeah, uh, and th- there's a lot of guys that are going to be interesting. You and I were talking uh, off camera just about Greg Brown, you know, guys who were, I mean, Greg Brown was, a lot of people thought he was a top 10 pick before the the season. He goes and plays for the, uh, for Texas. He didn't go yeah. to the G League Ignite round. He went to Texas, and you just saw how raw he is. You know, I mean, these kids are super raw, but he's got a crazy elite body, and and there's actually a couple of those guys that are that are one and done this year that went to either the G League uh, Elite or 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 the, the Ignite, I should say, and ended up playing or played in college uh, and, and are going to be really interesting players and and. You know, it's going to be a fun draft. And and actually having the last pick of the first round is kind of interesting. You end up getting a lot of trade offers. A lot of teams want to get to that last guaranteed spot. And the Jazz, to maintain roster flexibility, may want to trade out of that spot and move back into the second round. It just it, That ends up being kind of an interesting place for, for a lot of trades to happen. Yeah, and that's the, the name of the game and, and the NBA now and also the NBA draft is just you're not drafting necessarily based on who's going to be the most valuable to your franchise right away. I mean, you can, you can do that. But what they're seeing is that when you take younger players, just like when the Jazz took Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he, there were what, 12 teams that passed up on him because they thought they were going for, you know, the sure thing. Sure. And I can't, I can't even remember who some of the players that were taken before Donovan, but now looking back at it, you're like, what? Yeah. You know? And so you, you have that, you have that sort of risk factor, but then you guys have, then you have someone like Davion Mitchell from Baylor, right. where he shot up draft boards. Like, he was a fringe a late first rounder, and now I have him going number seven because NBA teams don't want to make that same mistake again. And even though he's a junior and a little bit older, he showed consistency throughout the, the NCAA tournament, and NBA teams now have, like, a surefire, you know, this is who this player is. I know what we're going to get out of him, and that's why he could be a lock at a top ten pick. No, you look at, you know, Josh Jackson and Dennis Smith Jr. and Malik Monk and Luke Kennard, who are those guys are actually I think all those guys are still in the NBA. So credit to those guys. But Donovan Mitchell went one pick after Luke Kennard. It's like, well, Donovan Mitchell's a franchise changer and and Luke Kennard's, you know, a supporting player on the Clippers right now. And that's fine. Uh, But yes, you don't want to miss that guy. What, What do you think about Davion Mitchell? he's he's not I guess he's not significantly older than Donovan was when Donovan was coming out of college but he's kind of old for a guy in the top 10 pick you generally don't use him was he a 22 year old junior like he's kind of even old for his class yeah but you cannot like he is the best on-ball defender in college basketball like the pressure that he puts on the backcourt with these teams that we saw in the tournament and all season long is just you can put him on the probably the best player on an opposing roster 
in the NBA. And he's going to be able, like, they might have a few plays where they go by him, but he's going to give them that sort of trouble. And then offensively, offensively on the other side of the ball, I mean, this is a guy, he can shoot threes, he can get to the basket, he can make plays for teammates. He averaged 6.3 assists in the tournament. At the on the highest stage, right. the most pressured stage in college basketball, he stepped up and showed out. And it's funny because uh, Scott Drew, the head coach, he said to me, um, I was asking him about Davion Mitchell, um, and he just said, he's like, well, do you know what his nickname is, right? And I said, no, like Spida. Like I thought it was going to be like yeah, a Donovan right. Mitchell sort of thing. And he goes, no, uh, his nickname is Off Night because every player that ever goes against him has an off night. That's I'm great. like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. And that's like, that's a good nickname. That's actually a, like, I personally, I, I do not like the spider nickname. It's just like so generic to me. But Off Night is great because it is an indicator of like something about his game. Uh, no, he's going to be fun. That's exciting. And, and kind of like I was talking about with Kata, where you have these wide range of kind of outcomes where he's, you know, maybe he's Jakob Pertl where he's a little bit skilled, but is a really good rim protector, or he's a backup big uh, who's in the NBA for 10 years. You look at a guy like like Davion Mitchell now, and you're like, well, you know, maybe he's Donovan Mitchell, super high upside, or like maybe he's Lou Dort, and you love having right. Lou Dort on your roster. Like every team wants to have Lou Dort now with what he's done at OKC for the last couple of seasons. So yeah, yeah th- those guys are worth first round picks and lottery picks. If we just say, I know he's going to make the NBA, I know he's going to be worth every penny on his rookie contract, and he has a chance to be worth way more than that. Those guys generally end up being pretty good picks. Yeah. Hundred percent agree. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love for Davion Mitchell. I love seeing guys like that that totally take the tournament, you know, by the horns, and they're like they don't back down from anything, and they're like, I'm about to show on for the world. I'm about to show every NBA scout why they want me on their team, and that's exactly what he did. Every game right. I'm watching it, I'm like, Davion Mitchell is the best player on the floor, hands down. Every game, he's the type of guy who's going to show up to a draft. Uh, interview with like a resume like he just takes it seriously you know what I mean like he's the type of guy you can tell like he, he's gonna bring a professionalism to it uh, which is good he'll, he'll be a good uh, addition to wherever he goes a lot of jazz fans hope to pair that Mitchell and Mitchell backcourt and there's just no chance that's gonna happen uh, so no. who helped themselves uh, in the uh, in the tournament you and I talked about maybe a month ago I think it must have been now and you said there was maybe four or five guys, maybe six that, that were really in contention for the number one overall pick. Is that a clearer picture now? I would say there's about four guys now that um, are the number one pick. You can't, it's really, really, really hard to choose against Kay Cunningham. And the only thing that I've heard any NBA scouts complain or make the case that he's not as good as people think he is, is because of his size, when you put him on defense against another two guard, another three guard who is more athletic than him, can he defend and keep them in front? Because we did see some, you know, his, his movement laterally isn't as great as, right. um, as, it, as the opposing guards on the other team. But that's the only knock in his entire game. So I'm like, okay. And with his length and size, you can literally plug him in at any position on the perimeter. Right. And he's going to be an instant impact player next season. So it's him, Jalen Suggs. One play in the final four that, you know, just kind of blew everyone away, scouts, people that know basketball, was when he dropped down low with two minutes left in the game, blocked Cody Riley, got the ball, threw it in traffic, bounced past to Drew Timmy for for the dunk. And, like, when you see that sort of heads-up high basketball IQ, like, NBA teams love that. Evan Mobley, um, you know, just his... His presence in the lane, the fact that he has huge upside and what he can be. He can step outside the wing, 
face up, take one dribble, and he's not afraid to go to the rim. He can also, he's shown that he's good in the pick and pop and can hit threes. And then the fourth guy, I think that there's some teams that are going to take a look at him for the number one spot is G League Ignite guard, Jalen Green. I mean, this is a guy in the G, I went down to the G League, uh, the G League bubble season, and he's a guy like he's 6'6", super bouncy, but he played really well against these older guards and just you know, like he had, he was the leading scorer on the Ignite team. He started all 15 games. Uh, he had 30 points. Nobody else on the Ignite team had 30 points all season. Um, and he, sh- he was showing people that he can pass. So I think those four players are definitely kind of like who's going to be looking at the number one. Who helped themselves the most in the tournament other than Davion Mitchell, who, like you said, probably went from 25 to, to top 10? Yeah, you know, it's crazy is uh, Chris Duarte from, um, from Oregon I think he's a senior and he was okay during the season, but he came out in two games and he averaged 22 points and 6.5 assists in the two games in the tournament. And all season long, he was just consistent. And if you watched any Oregon games and we're here on the West coast, so we got to see him a little bit, but he shot 43% from three, 53% from the field and was an 81% free throw shooter. So if you're looking for a guy that's going to be consistent and you know what you're getting, um, he's got great value and I have him you know, at 14, the very last pick in the lottery. Uh, what about the Pac-12 kids? Because the Pac-12 ended up having this ridiculously good showing in the tournament where, was it UCLA and USC? Was that the Elite Eight that they played each other? You know, they just... It was, they, it was USC and Oregon played each other in the Elite Eight. Right. UCLA took it to overtime in the Final Four against Gonzaga, yeah. So, like, it just had this crazy run that, you know, nobody was expecting because it's not loaded up with with NBA players this year. How many Pac-12 guys, I'm asking you to just kind of guess off the top of your head, is it three or four? I mean, Mobley's the first Pac-12 kid yeah. that did. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Juzang out of uh, UCLA, who kind of had a crazy You know run. what? Like, and and he had, a, he had a crazy good run, but um, he needs to put on some muscle mass. He needs to get bigger. He needs, or stronger, and he also needs to get a little faster. What we saw from him, like, he's always been a great shooter. I've been watching him since he was playing on Compton Magic. It's an AAU team out, out of California. He played alongside the Mobley brothers, and he's always been a great shooter. So I think he'll continue to be a great shooter. I don't think he did enough in the tournament to play his way into a draft pick where he would it would make sense for him to leave. Like, could he go late in the 50s and get on a two-way? Sure. Or you can go back to school you know, work on your game a little bit more. You got Peyton Watson coming in, who's a five-star recruit. He's number 10 in the country. He's a 6'9 wing. Play alongside him. Get more TV time. Now now scouts know yeah. who you are, so it can build on your draft stock next year. It's And it's tough for these kids because you'll look at, like, a Jordan Noira, who's, like, kind of sticking around. He's like, but he went the G League route. He got drafted by the Bucks, but played with the Stars. Like, there are comps that guys, I think, can sell themselves on. Like, I can really shoot the ball, and that's an NBA skill. But the fine line between making it and not making it and having one or two extra skills. And sometimes it is, like you're saying, sometimes it's that you're 15 pounds heavier than, than the other guy. And that's why you stick around in the NBA, because you can bang and practice a little bit longer. Those are yeah. big differences. And, and that might be worth going back and playing 30 more games at college next year, despite the uncertainty. Well, and let's not forget Johnny's freshman season when he was, you know, kind of thrown into the wolves at Kentucky and didn't do a single thing. Like he looked like a fish out of water there. Right. So you're going to go Kentucky back to the comfort of the Pac-12, have a great season and then go to the NBA. Like, no, 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 no. Like let's, 
pump the brakes a little bit, like have another year of development and growth. And then, you know, with more experience, then I think he'll be ready. Uh, so Pac-12 on the rise, is this sustainable? I mean, Oregon's been good. Utah hires Craig Smith, which I think is a really good hire. I actually suspect that was kind of what they wanted. I know they interviewed Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant. I would tell you my gut feeling, purely no insider info. That's who they wanted all along because they saw him win at Utah State, and it's just hard to win. Uh, is the Pac-12 on the rise? Is this sustainable next season in the in the future years? I think so. I think, um, you know, the Pac-12 has kind of been the stepchild of the Power Five conferences, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, we've got – six teams in right. the sweet 16 or seven teams in the sweet 16. Like it's time for college basketball to take notice and stop underestimating us as players, as programs, as, you know, just uh, teams that can compete. So I think they will start to get a little more respect next year. And there's a lot of talent that's coming in next year as well. I mean, like I, I mentioned Peyton Watson, um, Oregon's got a couple transfers coming in next year. Um, and, and so I think they're going to, oh, Issa Silva, this little point guard is going to Stanford. He's like, he's a five-star. He's great. So I think Pac-12 is always going to have great players come in. I just think they're now more respected. It also helped that just like Kentucky and Duke weren't good this year. North Carolina yeah. wasn't that good this year. They're like, these, these, you know, kind of blue bloods just randomly weren't what they have been. And that opens up a spot. And I think the Pac-12 kind of just randomly filled those spots when it could have been the Big 12 or the Big 10 or really anybody. It just so happened that this year the Pac-12 took over. So uh, good for them. Hey, what, what do you think about Gonzaga? I mean, Gonzaga is always going to be Gonzaga. Are they ever going to be able to break through? <laughs> is is it too hard when they get to, to playing in these championship games where they go up? Was it North Carolina? They lost to a couple of years ago and, and now Baylor. Is it just is it just too tough? Are these teams too good when they reach the finals or can Gonzaga break through? I think, listen, I think Gonzaga just looked exhausted against Baylor. They were a step behind every single play from start to finish. I think if we would have got the December 5th game when both teams were significantly healthy and had, you know, more of more legs. Yeah, I guess we, we could have really seen what that matchup could have been because, you know, uh, Gonzaga just beat number one Iowa right. and Baylor was coming off like a Kansas win. So I think that would have been the pinnacle of what these two teams really could have matched up. And newsflash, Gonzaga's not going anywhere. Right. OK, yes, they're going to lose all their perimeter players and Corey Kispert and Jalen uh, Jalen Suggs um, and then probably uh, Joella IE is going to go too, but. They're bringing in number seven recruit point guard Hunter Salas. He's out of uh, Nebraska. He's amazing. And, and actually, he's a higher recruit than Jalen was. Jalen uh. was number nine. Hunter is number seven. And they're the favorite to, to land the number one player in the country, Chet Holgram, seven-foot unicorn player who just does it all. He Can we talk about Chet? I, oh I don't, my I, gosh. Okay, he's insane to watch. And I mean insane for a couple of reasons. He does His skill does not look like his body. I mean, he's got a crazy yeah. body. Because if you haven't seen him, he's, what is he, 7'4", what'd you seven say? 7'1", he's 7'1". Seven, seven, but he looks like he weighs 140 pounds. I mean, right. he's obviously bigger than that. But his body's going to take a lot of work to fill out. He's not Sean Bradley, but he's, you know, he, he's going to need work on his body. But his skill set is unlike anything I've ever seen for a player that size. And that includes Kristaps Porzingis. That includes guys, you know, like it's closer to Kevin Durant than it is some of these kind of traditional unicorn guys. It's not that fluid. And Kevin Durant wasn't that big when he was at Texas. But like, it's crazy the things he can do. 
It's crazy. And, and if, did you, okay. He played against Amani Bates and Amani is hailed as the next big thing coming up yep. since LeBron James. Like he is the, what people are saying, like the best prospect to come out of high school since LeBron basically. Yeah. So he played him and Chet played each other in the fall, their teams, their teams played again. And Chet, was the best prospect on the court. Yep. It was unbelievable. Like, and he's the best shot blocker in America. He's got a seven foot five wingspan, but he, he can also knock down threes. He's a great ball handler. And when I said to him, like, I, I, I've known Chet for a few years now. And when I asked him, I said, you know, how sick are you of people telling you that you can't bang in the post? You can't make plays because you're not as strong. He's like, I tell them that they've never seen me play a full game of basketball and they've just watched highlights and, you know, these are people coming at me on Twitter and social media and they don't even really know the rules and, and like how to right. play basketball at an elite level, you know, and, and he's told me, he's like, KP, I'm working on my body. Like he's trying to do everything he can. <laughs> you know what? I, I weighed 115 pounds all through high school as well. Like his metabolism is not supposed to allow him to put on weight right now, especially at seven one. I, I can't imagine what he has to eat just to not lose weight every day, considering how hard he must be working. I know. Every time I see him, I just want to feed him like five cheeseburgers yeah. and be like, all right, go play. But, because we, we, you know, we've seen these kids. Utah had a kid uh, in, in high school who ended up, he I went to Utah. I think he ended up transferring to Gonzaga at one point. He's like seven foot four, kind of did all the shot blocking things. Yeah. yeah. If it clicked, it would work. The thing is, he was never anywhere near as skilled as Chet was. Yeah. So Chet, Gonzaga is the favorite right now. Like him and Jalen Suggs were high school and AAU teammates. So you kind of got that filtering in. Um, he told me he's not even considering the G League league or the Pro oh. League. I talked to him last week. Um, but Minnesota is also this weird, sneaky, dark it's horse hometown, school. Right? It's his hometown. Yeah. So having the flexibility to stay home. Um, but I, there's, there's no way if I'm Chet Holgram, if I pass up on going to play for Gonzaga after what they just did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I mean, even if he did, he's going to be a top five pick because yeah. there's so unless he gets seriously injured, there's just so few bodies like that. And then even fewer that have the body and the skill. So uh, it'll be fun. College basketball should be fun again next year. It's always fun. Uh, and it's nice to have a tournament back that somewhat resembled what it's supposed to be. And next year it'll be even better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like and even I mean, another team you got to watch Michigan as the number one recruiting class coming in. Juwan Howard was coach of the year and Duke is reloading. They've got this kid, Paolo Ventura, coming in who, I mean, isn't, I mean, I'll never say anybody's as good as Zion Williamson, but a super fun and exciting player to watch. So I think they will be at top of the ACC again next year with the uh, class they're coming in. The, the new UNC reign is going to be fun with Hubert Davis and, and see what he's able to do and how he's going to be able to take over. Those are enormously big shoes to fill. That's tough. Yeah, he's always been a great recruiter, so I don't doubt that he'll be able to get players to come there, but... It might be, it might be something, you know, where, how great is he of a coach? Yeah. You know, you can get the players there, but can you coach them? Can you get them to buy into your program and what you want to accomplish? You know, I've got a link to her newest mock draft in the article. If you're listening to this podcast, you can find her on Twitter at Kristen Peak. Read her at Yahoo Sports. She covers all levels of basketball, as you uh, illustrated very well here in this podcast. Christian, I appreciate it as always. Uh, try and uh, get some sleep at some point. We'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ben. 
All right, there she was, Kristen Peak. Big thanks to uh, Kristen for jumping on. Again, read her at yahoosports.com. Find her on Twitter at Kristen Peak, and I'm going to link to her latest mock draft in the article that goes along with this podcast. Uh, find us on Twitter at KSL Sports. Find us on Facebook at KSL Sports. Download the KSL Sports app, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. We'll be back with you again next week for another episode of the Jazz Notes podcast. <laughs> Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.